0: You're listening to AshCast, the podcast of the Ash Center for Democratic Governance and Innovation at Harvard Kennedy School.
1: Now, the, the thing that I need to convey to students and to everybody else is some of the content of this, right? One of the difficulties is there isn't, I mean, in my mind, it's all one discipline, okay? But the literature hasn't grown up that way. Okay? And a lot of the good stuff to read isn't specifically about public management. It's about all sorts of other stuff, right? Including design projects and individual ability. What I do is uh, try to make it seem all of a piece.
0: While public management has become widely spoken of, its identity and character is not well defined. Such disparity is an underlying problem in developing public management within academia and in the eyes of practitioners. In his new book, Public Management as a Design-Oriented Professional Discipline, Michael Barsley tackles the challenge of making public management into a true professional discipline. On Tuesday, October 15th, Barsley, a professor of public management at the London School of Economics, presented his new book at the Ash Center. He was joined by Hannah Riley-Bowles, Roy E. Larson, senior lecturer in public policy and management at Harvard Kennedy School.
2: My name is Mark Moore. Um, I'm a professor here at the school and uh, located at the Ash Center. Um, yeah. And I have two jobs. One is to introduce Hannah, who's the uh, head of the leadership management and development area here at the Kennedy School, who will introduce uh, Michael Barzilev, but the other is to uh, report to you uh, that this um, is being recorded. This session, in any case, uh, let me introduce you to Hannah. Uh, Hannah will introduce Michael.
3: Well, thank you. Um, I think I'm I think I'm mic'd here, so I'm going to give this back to you, Mark. But um, actually, there are believe it or not, with this full room, there are a lot of people who wanted to be here who couldn't. So that's another um, function of um, of the recording. Uh, I have the honor of introducing Professor uh, Michael Barsley, um, who is a, uh, a professor at the London School of Economics. He has been um, teaching and researching about public management since 1985, and I think I'm allowed to acknowledge that because it's right in your bio, but it's very profound actually. Um, and during those early years, spent a decade here with us at the Kennedy School. And um, it is uh, really um, an honor. Let me give you a few specifics about Professor Barsley. But before I do that, I'd like to set in context why we, we so uh, are so appreciative of this moment and the conversations that Professor Barsley is steering up. So... Um, He has been, as I said, teaching and researching about public management. I mean, what is distinctive about management in the public sector? And also, he has been somebody who the teaching, what should be different about teaching people with public service aspirations, has been central to his work. But he has also been somebody who has been advancing scholarship in this space, so uh, serving in editorial roles on numerous journals. He has written numerous books and won awards for those um, scholarly contributions. He is probably most famously known inside and outside of academia for a book called Breaking Through Bureaucracy, a new vision for managing in government, Um, something that uh, just from the Breaking Through Bureaucracy is obviously going to speak to the the world of practice as well as scholarship. Um, And today he's going to talk to us about um, a new book on public management as a design-oriented professional discipline, and this is just such an important topic for us at the Kennedy School because we uh, this is truly an unfinished question. We um, we draw on multiple disciplines here at the Kennedy School. Um, We have components of our work that come out of the management disciplines, but the challenges that our students go out and face doing public interest work go beyond simply the management of organizations. And they include a broad array of stakeholders and very important questions of politics and institutions. And so it is necessarily a, a multidisciplinary and complex endeavor. And we are honored and appreciative to have you as a leader and fellow traveler in this uh, aspiration. So, please join me in welcoming uh, Professor Barclay. Thank you very much. Um, this is actually
1: uh, the first time I've been back here in uh, 24 years or so. Um, so it's very interesting. A lot of very nice <laughs> memories are coming back for the
0: um,
1: uh including uh, uh, how I actually showed up here. I shared this anecdote earlier. I think you might be interested in. Uh, it was Christmas, uh, 1984, and um, my father uh, got up early and cut out a little ad from the New York Times uh, for an assistant professor uh, position uh, here at the uh, Kennedy School in Development, it turned out. And my dissertation was close enough to that area uh, in political science that uh, he said, why don't you, you know, go get a job? And apply. And so all that happened quite quickly, and I got a phone call from uh, Professor Ray Vernon, who was running the search at the time, and he said, Well, I'm very impressed by your references. And uh, I, um... however, we actually have in mind somebody who's going to get that job. And uh, nevertheless, because you you have this thing on your resume that says you have a master's in public and and private management from uh, Yale, with your permission, can I send your file to a colleague of mine named Mark Moore? And uh, so everything is a footnote on that uh, kind of, uh, that transaction. My other recollection is after giving my first class uh, uh, in, uh, what was it, uh, 101, I think that w- what it was, and one of the nice uh, students came up to me at the end and said, well, that was all very interesting. Now, I can, I deduce that you're 27, and uh, I'm 27, and why are you up there and I'm down here? <laughs> 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 so I'm now 61, so some, some things have happened in between, but I'm um, very pleased to be, be here. So um, I'm not sure what all of this is going to mean to you, uh, but it does seem to mean a lot to the people I talk to uh, all around the world who have uh, some kind of uh, stake or identification uh, with public management um, as a form of professional practice, as a discipline for professional practice, whether they're... Uh, my students, uh, whether they are academics in uh, other institutions but on the margin of political science or the margin of management. Uh, And it's of interest uh, particularly to those who are in charge of uh, government-based schools of public administration. We don't really have that in the U.S., uh, but in many systems. uh, That is a predominant way to develop uh, the cadres of individuals who participate in government, and I've, and in fact, in some ways, this book uh, co-evolved from a relationship uh, with Brazil's uh, National School of Public Administration, and I continue to work with them to develop uh, faculty uh, to teach this approach, and um, so that's an ongoing project. So I, I thought um, I would acquaint you with the, with the book. Um, the, uh, uh, the pitch is read the book. Um, the pitch is not buy the book, and the reason for that is the book is available free of charge. Okay? So if you have your uh, iPhones or whatever, all you need to do is uh, punch in www.elgeronline, Elger is the name of the publisher, online, one word, dot com. Put in my name, you have to spell it right, E-A-R-Z-E-L-A-Y, and the book will pop up and you can download every chapter. Okay? Um, I hope you'll uh, do so, but I will not stand in your way if you want to buy a copy. So let me run through some of the characteristics of the book, and uh, by way, and, and the way I sort of present it uh, in a number of places. First of all, there are kind of three questions you might want to have in mind as you look at anything that's been done with a purpose. And uh, one is, what is it for? Uh, another is, what it consists in? And another is, how is how does it work? And broadly, I'm trying to change the way this. Uh, Uh, field is taught to practitioners, not radically change it, in some ways continue on with some things that have kind of washed out, uh, but leave an imprint on how uh, professional practice is taught in this field. Uh, Notice I don't call it public management here. Uh, The reason for that is a lot of people don't care about management, uh, uh, and management isn't really separate from everything else. So I talk about professional practice in public organizations, especially, but not entirely concerned with their management. The book consists in uh, a number of different things. It's got a cover. The way I'd describe it, it's a, it's a good book with a great glossary. Okay, So uh, if you're going to uh, download anything, download the, the glossary, you'll come across all sorts of terms you never came across before, like design project and uh, mechanism intent thinking and uh, design precedent and so on and so forth. And the book is I mean, it's a kind of funny topic, it's not, you know, I wanted more than Mark Moore to read it, uh, and a couple of other colleagues, so I made it entertaining, so that even my students would read it uh, happily, and there's a couple of chapters in there that are more sort of student-oriented than the rest, chapter one and chapter four being among them. So, let me say a little bit about the um, staging of the book, right? Uh, in the sense that it's uh, forward, it's presentation, it's show, it's how it looks just on first encounter. Uh, well, that's the cover. A um, couple of uh, points to elaborate it. So when I talk about public uh, management, I, I have uh, in mind not just the organizations and the people in the organizations that are involved uh, in a bureaucracy, but I certainly have in mind the way in which Public, organi- public uh, programs and special case of public services come to take on their form uh, t- in uh, general terms, in detail, and are actually delivered. Okay? So programs are just as central to the idea of public organizations as the, as the structures and personnel of the institution. Uh, this I derive from uh, uh, creating public uh, value, chapter two in particular. Public management, I talk about it particularly with my students and others as a form of a professional uh, practice. Okay? Um, uh, well, that means it must have some characteristics to it or structure to it or common ideas about it that make it identifiable uh, as a practice. I also talk about it being a design-oriented practice, which means that it majors in some ideas that aren't usually part of the usual discussion. Uh, particularly ideas about creating things that don't exist, creating representations of things that could exist, uh, drawing on knowledge uh, and experience uh, from the past. Um, and the other idea here is that of a uh, professional uh, discipline. Now, probably all, everything I said to you so far I could have said you know, in, in when I was 27 years old or 28, you know, even when I left and, and was saying until quite recently. So the idea that there is that this we should project ourselves, think of ourselves, stage ourselves, act as if we are a discipline, is a new idea. Uh, that's a collective endeavor. It's not located in any particular place. Uh, it's uh, people's membership is identifiable. They will carry a certain loyalty toward the discipline itself, even if they're not loyal to any particular uh, academic or other institution, as they shouldn't generally be. Uh, uh, and um, the idea of a professional discipline is, is hardly novel, right? I'm just sort of retrieving it from, uh, um, uh, in particular, Herbert Simon's book on professional phenomena and their disciplines. Yeah. Um, uh, professional discipline is noted for having uh, two enterprises that are closely linked together. One is you know, creating uh, professional knowledge and a capacity to uh, train, to, to share it with professionals on the one hand and actually sharing it with professionals and developing their competence on the other. Many science, social scientific disciplines uh, uh, major in one of those and take the, uh, the teaching and learning thing as derivative from the field, but this is a, a professional discipline and it's somewhat different in its uh, orientation. So I'm sort of building on that very idea. Um, so in the, uh this is the chapter outline. I'm not going to go through uh, the whole book, but I'll tell you about some of the chapters that will give you a flavor uh, for it. Um, uh, the, at the end of chapter one, I present this sketch, if you wish, of the public management as a professional discipline. I use a uh, standard um, sort of logic frame concept to do it. Very simple structure where you have some resources or input, some activities, and some outcomes. Here are the activities associated with strengthening the discipline as such. Here are the activities that are part of the teaching and learning enterprise. Here, once you start staring at it for five seconds, you see it's pretty obvious, um, but I'll make a few points. Uh, very few people get up and make a speech about public management as a professional uh, discipline. So although this is something that needs to be done, it's not done often. Not enough faculty development. People don't do their PhDs in public management by and large. Uh, they come into it for all sorts of reasons, like my anecdote from the beginning. We all have our own stories of how that worked. Um, uh, in my book, I uh, talk, I sort of do faculty development with the people who have come into it. They're fictional characters: um, uh, Nora, Olivier, and Petra. And Nora is a political scientist who got a PhD recently and got a job at a public policy school and ended up with a teaching assignment. Um, you know, uh, Olivier is a PhD student of public administration but has never seen a management course. Uh, Petro is, a, is a, somebody who has a great deal of practical experience, um, is well-educated but has never done a PhD uh, in the field. And they're the teaching team. And all we need all of them, okay? Uh, but we still need to develop a, uh, a common professional identity as as, uh, faculty, not academics, as faculty in this field. Um, We also need to develop or expand professional knowledge, and that raises the question of sort of how do we wanna name bits of professional knowledge? I choose um, uh, two terms, uh, as you'll see in the book, more better than there. Uh, Purpose of theories, these are kinds of uh, arguments about how to create the mechanisms to effectuate purposes, as well as how to use mechanisms to create the purposes themselves. Okay, and There's a lot of arguments out there about how you would do it. Some of them you can read in airport bookstores, and they're very informal. Uh, Harvard Business Review, some are very serious accounts of, uh, um, sometimes about public organizations in their totality, sometimes about little aspects of them, like the projects within them, and sometimes about individuals as they're trying to be important mechanisms within the organization. Uh, And um, so uh, as academics, we need to sort of straighten out these arguments because they're rarely presented in a way that you can make much sense of. Uh, And we also need to develop precedents based on past experience. And that is a part of the story I will tell a little bit later on because it's not well explained in our field. And then in the curriculum, we need to expand. Uh, we need, I think, most importantly, uh, achieve professional competence, help people tackle uh, the challenges that you encounter in public organizations understood as a form of enterprise. They need to draw on things that are sort of part of who they are. As practitioners, I have a list of things that people ought to be good at, sense-making, designing, argumentation, and dramatization. Uh, and, uh, and, and all of that is a kind of in a standard sort of Harvard tradition, but beyond that, less so pronounced. There's uh, that kind of uh, professional knowledge, well-articulated purpose of theories about the kind of enterprise, um, uh, and precedent, understanding of how actual uh, interesting uh, exemplars of uh, enterprises and their parts have uh, come to operate in surprisingly good ways relative to what is... uh, uh, Possible under uh, real world conditions. And so that's got a, so this is sort of a balance between a little Harvard thing and some other bits that emphasize knowledge matters and that can be codified and developed by the field, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. So this is what I tell my students uh, the course is about. uh, That uh, what I'm trying to do is uh, populate the profession with more and more practitioners of the kind that I have in mind. Uh, For them, I'm trying to strengthen their ability to tackle challenges that come up in the life of a public organization, everything that I do will be designed to help that. Um, My theory is that if they don't learn uh, some professional knowledge, they won't be good at that. If they don't get experience using the professional knowledge in actual practice, they won't find it of much use in practice. Likewise, uh, uh, many come with relative deficits in, in imagining how you could create something new not having a clear understanding of what a sound argument is about a practical question, and not really knowing how to put on a show that is uh, uh, sort of convincing to others uh, about what the situation is and what they have to contribute to it. So everything I do is sort of trying to accentuate, to perform one or all of those functions. And I, That's an important message for my students because they think that a course is learning a subject matter and learning a subject matter is mastering um, 10 topics. Okay. Or three topics because that's all you're going to be examined on. I said my course has no topics. <laughs> okay, my course has functions, and everything I do is a mechanism to perform them. So I par- partly use the course to explain the ideas behind the course. Okay, um, there's some history behind uh, all of this argumentation, and um, and I go into it in chapter uh, two. Basic argument is there's um, uh, there's been in history, two main rival traditions within the professional discipline of management. Mm-hmm. A Harvard one that starts in 1910, okay, and as far as I can tell is quite stable
3: <laughs> overall. Okay.
1: Uh, uh, and, um, and then the other major rival tradition has been known as the modern, ma- ma- modern management school, the mainstream of which tried to make the field of management as much like the field of medicine as was possible okay Um, this is clearly uh, laid out in a history of management schools by me ogier and uh, jim march in a 2011 book a complete eye-opener of an account okay Uh, and the medical school idea was uh, okay if uh, we the academics could do fundamental research on the the organism of the 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 body Um, um from that you could uh teach the students the theory you could give them some uh, very specific ideas of how uh, to identify dysfunction uh, in an organism, uh, and further you could develop their skill in applying what you've learned case by case by case. Okay? Uh, this was then adopted um, thanks to a lot of money from the Ford Foundation at the uh, Carnegie Institute of Technologies Graduate School of Industrial Administration between 1949 and 1963 in particular. Uh, And they divided up the enterprise body into finance, operations, marketing, and so on and so forth. They developed fundamental theory of finance, fundamental theory of marketing. In the finance case, they in particular relied on economists, recruited from the University of Chicago, who eventually got Nobel Prizes in economics for their work in finance. And all the rhetoric of learning your subject and then having a few cases to apply it to so you develop your skill comes from that tradition. I think that tradition is a problem uh, because I grew up in more of the Harvard tradition, even at Yale. <laughs> uh, uh, so I'm now within that modern man- management school, there was a, um, a, a, a critic, internal critic called Herbert Simon, very famous person who became a Nobel laureate in his own right. He thought the modern medical school idea was crazy. It was not the way to think about management as a discipline at all. Uh, he thought that uh, and he for, he sort of presented it as saying, management ought to be like problem solving. So that idea of problem solving was actually set in opposition to the idea that management is taking things we know and drawing their implications with some degree of uh, certainty for what we ought to do. Okay? So that's not the world we live in. Okay? Uh, but he developed, an, it wasn't just a critique. He didn't say, oh, you know, something wrong with your house. I just don't believe it. No, he developed an alternative. The alternative, but he never completed the project. Okay, but the basic idea was that designing and design projects had to be part of an enterprise. Designing design enter, design projects were a key building block of the future of any enterprise. Those projects created the mechanisms that would be incorporated into the enterprise and allowing it to effectuate its intent. His, it, by, as a matter of history, his idea of a design project, the sort of mother of all design projects was the Manhattan Project. And he experienced it uh, through Rand studies. An important part of that idea was that you don't know what it is that will work before you work through the problem of creating it. You can't get to the answer of what might work uh, without drawing on stuff we know from the past, some of which might be theoretical. Uh, as in the Manhattan Project, something about theoretical physics, and some of it will be about past practice, okay? What has worked to, in particular, counteract the tendencies that work against our ability to accomplish our purposes, like any good engineer would think. Um, This is a sort of third way, if you wish, uh, but it never really took hold. I mean, we can see traces of it, obviously. But uh, he was defeated, essentially, at the Carnegie thing, and then went off and got his Nobel Prize. He never cared about the Harvard uh, approach. The Harvard thing never pulled his ideas about design projects and designing into the center of their uh, concept. It's just for historic, weird historical reasons having to do with this uh, background. So I'm trying to pull the two together and make it one, and then make and suggest that we can identify the purpose of theories of public organization on the basis of the integration of these threads of thinking that have come uh, through uh, the development of of management as a field since 1910. Markler taught me how to talk (laughs) fast. So here's the kind of... Outline of the Harvard approach idealized, okay. The source of which is thinking is basically Henri Fayol, who wrote the book General Industrial Administration and thought of enterprises as purposeful phenomena, uh, with, all with unique purposes, but with the, uh, with the universality of all performing the same functions, okay. Functional universality, mission, uh, purpose vary- varying from case to case. How did he get the idea of functional universality? He read uh, Aristotle. Aristotle went into the lagoon in 500 B.C., saw a bunch of different organisms. They were all over the place. What do they have in common? Functions are the same. Structures are different. They accomplish the same functions, but with different structures. Let's try to theorize this universe in that way. Engineers actually picked up on that idea uh, by saying uh, any kind of machines in a given category Perform the same functions. What's different is the specific mechanisms being used to perform it. Fayol picked up the same idea in management, and it's uh, and we forget about this, but actually it's a quite useful idea. Most people are using it even when they deny they're using it. So this is the the kind of uh, 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 representation of that thinking. Uh, enterprises are the entire um, purposeful phenomenon that is being uh, created. Uh, you can say managed if you like the word. Uh, there are several functions that need to be performed somehow in order for the enterprise's intent to be clarified and effectuated. Uh, in the old category scheme of Fayol, it was uh, commercial, technical, accounting, finance, uh, management, and security. Uh, I took everything but management, and uh, stuck them over here, and uh, had management stand out here in this approach a couple of uh, derivative or constitutive functions of management or making an actual decision, and then uh, explaining it to other people with um, you know a, a great deal of charm so that they will do what they uh, would otherwise have to just be told uh, so that's that perspective Simon had a c- coming from more the 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 uh, idea that a enterprise consists of these design projects had a different picture but it's Similar, right, in that he identified functions that need to be performed in any enterprise somehow, if that enterprise is going to clarify and effectuate its intent, right? So the structure of theorizing is the same; the content is different. Okay. Um, from what you see here, though, is that much of uh, what the Harvard approach there was talking about is located here in decision making, and what he was foregrounding is something called designing as an aspect, as a as a as a major function within design projects, and some of the things that need to be done in order to create a mechanism that could work is to analyze the challenge uh, and some possible solutions, and actually synthesize a design, and then test it to gain some information about how it might behave before actually making a decision to incorporate it into the enterprise, et cetera, et cetera. This has implications, because if you want to teach practitioners um, Uh, in such a way that they see design projects as one of the main vehicles to change an organization and make it work, then you might want to say there are certain things you might want to do to help perform those functions. The way you behave in a a meeting, even the way you write a memo, the way you do anything on a daily basis is, is something that is a mechanism to perform these functions. You have to be good about choosing how to do it. And there's ways to educate people so that they're capable of making those judgments and having the ability to create the effects they intend. So how am I doing on time? Michael,
2: you, you go, go back to that one for a minute? because I um, noticed that the importance of saying that all this is happening within the context of an enterprise. So these things are not individual functions being carried out by managers. They're individual actions, thoughts and actions that are being carried out in the context of a larger enterprise that already exists and that you're trying to sort of exercise some influence over, so there's a, you know, he's always going to be talking about enterprises, not individuals, and the individual is understood as a part of an enterprise, and that always has to be a collective aspect to it. Anyway.
1: Okay. So I'm broadly talking, I'm yes, that's correct. So I'm talking, when I say enterprise, I'm not using it as an empirical category, okay? I'm proceeding along the same lines as they all proceeded in theorizing management. I'm theorizing it as a purposeful phenomenon, not an empirical phenomenon. There are, there is a need to study them as uh, empirical phenomena. But um, if you say I'm going to understand it as an empirical phenomenon and then from there draw some implication for practice, you're back into the modern medical school approach. And I'm uh, trying to distance myself from that approach, create an alternative vocabulary. So I would say. In the alternative vocabulary, that which is effectuating intent is uh, is the performance of a function. That would be um, the feolian move. And then the next question would be, what mechanisms perform the function?
3: Okay. So, can I? Because this is a mixed audience. So, the can you can you give an illustration of a around? Could you give, give contrasting illustrations to these concepts? So, a practical example that.
1: Of a design project, for example? Of a
3: design project, uh, yes, in, in contrast to a decision-making approach. So I love your idea yeah, okay. of this. is. So you're sitting. So if you think about for a student, they're sitting in a meeting or they're approaching a problem. How, what, is a, what, are, what are differential moves that someone might make from those two perspectives? Uh,
1: okay. So I'll, I can give you an example from a sort of middle manager position and from a CEO position because it's relevant for both. Okay. Uh, take the um, uh, uh, manager position. Um, here's a um, I'm going to talk about the first case I ever wrote uh, here, uh, which I still teach uh, paying the bills in Andalusia, and the uh, um, uh, middle manager um, uh, is um, understands that the if the future system for paying invoices was anything like the current system going out a few years it would be uh, considered to be a major deficit for the regional government and also would have negative effects for economic development for a government that prides itself on promoting economic development. He has this idea. He also knows that the uh, uh, minister, uh, uh, sort of the secretary for this function of finance uh, predated him in the organization. he understands that uh, it's um, that the minister will have to have to own this idea in due course. Okay, but doesn't have time to work it out. He doesn't want the minister to feel that um, he's going to work in ways that undermine him or undermine um, some of the commitments that he's made as part of his government. Okay, at the same time, he doesn't. Uh, uh, want to just uh, adopt best practice or something or else because this that wasn't the idea of this regional government So the question is um, And now this is not a matter of fact this is a matter of how I teach it Okay, what do you what is the venue in which you would even raise the question of things being different in the future than in the past? Right. Okay. Well, I said oh, how about a staff meeting? Okay uh, All right, that seems pretty straightforward. That's not that everybody has staff meetings, but it is a good practice And the question is, what are you going to set? Now, the theoretical idea is this is a beginning, in fact, the fuzzy front end, if you want to use that language, of a design project. Mm -hmm. How are you going to present the situation and your relationship to it and your relationship to your boss within it in such a way that it creates the the space to pursue the issues? And uh, I find that um, uh, usually this effectively students with less experience, uh, are clueless about how to conduct themselves in such a staff meeting. They will say, as good analysts, this is inefficient, okay? uh, or some vocabulary of assessment of that general kind. Right? And, then it's, and then I roleplay play the, uh, the, the head of the department and dismiss this, you know, is everybody getting paid? Mm-hmm. Yes, well then how could it be inefficient? Okay. Um, Anyway, so the question then becomes: So, if you adopt this idea that projects, design projects, are a way to make change, then create through the conversation that what could follow from making the issue on the agenda is a project within which the boss has a continuing, if episodic, role, and that um, creates the space to begin to work on the problem, but it also reassures the boss that what's going to come out from this activity will not be out of their control. So, okay, I can use my Air Force examples to talk about how Chief of Staff of the Air Force understood that if he was going to change the Air Force, he needed to have the new vision uh, plan be viewed as his, because in, the Air, in that kind of organization, unless people can say it's the Chief's plan, doesn't exist. It carries no authority. On the mm-hmm. other hand, he wanted to have the ideas outlive him, so it couldn't be his plan so here is a kind of contradiction you know things have to be hot and cold at the same time right uh, short and long present and absent sort of screws kind of thing so the project was designed to to do that to create content that other people owned, fit into an overall uh, uh, statement that he could visibly could actually support and visibly seem to support and so the the, the project as i call it of uh, the global engagement planning Serve that purpose, so it works for both sides.
3: Can I just ask one follow-up question, going back to Mark's idea? Just, yeah. so this, this, as you're describing, it could also be an actor who's working from the outside in order to influence the practice of government as well. Or do you want to okay. limit your theorizing to those people who are operating within the system? Or you can also think about it incorporating people who are operating from a political perspective or from a social innovation perspective, how they engage people in those so, processes. Uh, I.
1: I I chose the term professional practitioner uh, advisedly Mm -hmm. Um, for a number of reasons. One is that as far as I can, nobody wants to be uh, a manager or certainly be called a manager. It's not an attractive verbal sign. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, And so I wanted to use something different. Um, I mean, I I didn't make this up. Friends of mine said, you know, I was teaching in management at Columbia and nobody wanted to take, and I had a required course on management. All the students hated it. I got bad ratings, and it seemed to be because they were being taught management, and nobody wanted to be a manager in management school. And so we do have to deal with uh, <laughs> these. Uh, 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 we need to sort of neutralize some of the cultural problems that stand in the way of uh, taking management seriously as a practice. And one way to do that is get uh, call you a manager. Okay? Um, but the other thing is it does allow... Um, uh, and there's another problem. If you talk to people from different countries, and you say, "I'm talking about public managers," they say, "Oh, but we don't have public managers. That's not the discussion I want to have. Okay? That's an empirical." Both things need to work together. You had it in the earlier, cycle. Yeah, but that was the. But I'm. Oh, I'm trying to combine the two traditions. So what I get, uh, my, my, I'll skip over that. Here's my combination, okay? Now, you, L isn't there either, okay? Um, um, to um, trade on the distinction, people who want to trade on that are people who deliver courses and want to have segment the market more than anything. I think theories of leadership, some of the things like I picked up here, are very interesting and useful, purposeful theories for professional practice. I see leadership as critical, but I don't want to see it, as, I'm not representing it as a different function uh, within the organization. You
3: talk about project management or project
1: leadership or Um I do talk about the, uh, so I think projects have, uh, are like enterprises in that the management function to be performed uh, a management function characterized as including directing and controlling and coordinating and so on and so forth. I am uh, uh, in the teaching very attentive to how those functions can be performed within their context. Um, I don't use pr- purpose of theories of project management coming from the PBI P box or something like that because I think. It is uh, because there's only time I give people theories of design projects, more like systems engineering. But the case studies that I, the, the work that I actually make them do is to write away a project. But in terms of your audience, uh, they, they might not want to be a manager, they might be happy to be a project Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, um, if some, if, if I asked, asked me to have a, uh, a little part of a course that is addressed to the, projects once they have, uh, once the design stage is complete, I am very happy to teach that. I don't think so, but, um, you know, it's this labeling is more, so there I would only do it if they asked me to. <laughs> okay. I've already got crossed the threshold into the world where they are in public management this way. But, you know, half the battle is getting people into the room uh um with more with more of the thoughts that are compatible with what I'm doing and fewer of the ones that are contradictory. Okay, so I think in time interest let me just uh tell you um uh how you can uh, uh sort of encounter this material in the book because that's kind of the next. I asked Mark what the objective here was and he said get people to read the book. So, keeping with that, right. What this is, it's an it's a kind of category scheme with a lot of history to it. For purpose of theorizing of enterprises generally, and uh, and and insofar as uh, uh, the enterprises are of uh, public sector of in the public sector, you'll have specific content. Um, now, so this is an for theorizing about forms of enterprise, including especially public organizations. Right? Um, now, the, the thing that I need to convey to students and to everybody else is some of the content of this. Right? Uh, it's difficult. It's one of the difficulties is there isn't, I mean, in my mind, it's all one discipline, okay? but the literature hasn't grown up that way. Okay? And a lot of the good stuff to read isn't specifically about public management. It's about all sorts of other stuff, right? including design projects and individual abilities. So the, what I do is um, I try to make it seem all of a piece is not an unusual problem. Somebody has solved this problem. And I don't know if you've heard of the Bauhaus in Germany between the wars. Okay. I mean, that was a pretty diffuse group of people and, you know, taking trading places over time, depending on what was going on in the Nazi Germany. Nevertheless, after the fact, anyway, they were able to put together a museum called the Bauhaus Archives in Berlin. Okay, and create displays about each of the major figures, you know Gropius and Clay and uh, uh, Van der Rohe and all these people, and wonderful audio guide uh, presentation about each of these figures, uh, the nature of their ideas, their con- their connection with the overall school, uh, their approach their their, th- their ideas about the relationship between theory and practice and so on and so forth. and it all seemed like it was of a piece, okay. Um, Somehow, I loved it. Anyway, sometime later, I decided that we should have a public management gallery, something just like uh, the uh, Bauhaus Archives, except that it would be about public management. And so chapter four is uh, a visit to the public management gallery. I'm afraid it's fictional, although it creates some images. And uh, and, uh, in the gallery are nine uh, publications. Uh, And what you hear is the audio guide, uh, what you read is the audio guide's script. And I'm the curator, so I'm the one speaking. And I present all of these uh, works in something of the same voice, answering something of the same questions about all of these ideas, whether they're about the whole organization or design projects or an individual ability. Uh, uh, And it's a 3 floor museum, so you come in on the top floor, and that's where you encounter... Uh, uh, individuals and works about uh, public uh, organization. And so the first exhibit, you know, where you'd find Walter Gropius in uh, in uh, the Bauhaus, you find Mark Moore in his book uh, instead. <laughs> and then uh, you move on to the next exhibit and you see uh, John Bryson's book on uh, strategic planning and public and nonprofit organizations. And at the end of this, I do make some comments on how these two uh, uh, outstanding uh, leaders of our field have theorized public management and public organizations similarly and differently. Okay? Um, um, then you go down to the middle floor and you, uh, I can show you the, uh, what happens here. Uh, this is the backstory on Tobao. So there's the gallery, here's the exhibit for Mark Moore and there's the exhibit for John Bryson. And uh, then you go downstairs and you read about design projects. There are three works discussed. Uh, Chapter 5 of Simon's Sciences of the Artificial, which I also had talked about in Chapter 2, a book that actually takes that project forward um, precisely in organizations, a book uh, called Problem Solving and Organizations by Two Dutchmen, uh, very effective with my students, and a bit of my own book on uh, strategic planning in the U.S. Air Force with uh, Colin Campbell. And then you go down to the bottom floor and you read about, you hear presentations about, sorry, about um, the professional activities. The idea is each of these professional activities has its own theorization. That's what makes them distinct. Okay? They're not empirically distinct. They've been theorized by different communities, in fact. You know, sense-making more by social psychologists, above all. Okay? Design by people in this field called design studies. Uh, argumentation by uh, philosophers uh, in the side of uh, informal logic and a few sociologists and dramatization by the uh, very famous uh, Irving Goffman. Okay? And each one of these is worked through. And then in the end, you're told to go to the bookstore and, uh, and get a summary of the account, uh, which happens to look like this. <laughs> so I've sort of pulled some tricks here uh, in the uh, presentation because um, um, I want foreground uh, ideas uh, about uh, enterprises and professional practice uh, within them. I am uh, playing down other concepts like tools and skills, which I take to be more intrinsically important to the modern medical school approach. Um, um, I know my students come at it thinking they're going to get uh, all of those things. I try to neutralize that by foregrounding my ideas and also giving uh, opportunities to strengthen professional abilities of the kind that I think are important and they come to agree with, like sense-making, designing. Argumentation and uh, dramatization. Uh, this is the background to how I, some people say, Could you ever teach this way? And I said, that The teaching happened before the book. Okay, most of the teaching, uh, you know, 80% of the teaching is the same as stuff as I was doing here. The, re- the discussion questions are different, the projects have different aims, there's some modification, uh, but I think I've stretched the tradition I was uh, fortunate to be brought up in here in a very fruitful direction, but time will tell whether other people decide to uh, respond to the manifesto and go on this uh, journey with me. Thank you.
3: I think we should open it up to questions.
4: questions. Yeah. Thank you very so much for that, um, for that talk. I'm just wondering, uh, you seem to be very focused on uh, the pedagogical value of the thinking of public medicine. Teaching better uh, because you're better able to articulate what it is that people should know and what it is that people should be able to do to apply that knowledge. At the same time, you spoke a lot about uh, the self-image discipline and you identified several schools of thought. And my 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 question is: Your explanation for the fact that public management as an academic discipline hasn't emerged is it because the schools of thought never came to, or because there was not a unifying Kind of framework same unit of analysis same kind of body of literature or was it because practice actually demanded uh, evolution in the thinking about it so why isn't there um, you know similar to other uh, sciences a field to speak of which then presents us with the problem of explaining it to students
1: do you think management is a field
4: is management a field well i mean you, you used medicine as, a, as, a, as physics. You can think about many, and the question is, you chose this as a topic, and you said, like, it's fragmented? There's, there's no yeah, kind of shared consensus? Yeah, but I think
1: the same, same critique that what you've said about public management, you can say about management. It's not specific to public. Sure. So, uh, so uh, well, and so I think uh, part of our, so part of, I would say, one of the why this idea, this synth- is coming together now, opposed to the past um, uh, is that I have said we cannot just refer back to management okay as a discipline to get insight into how to develop our discipline we have to we, we should I mean that doesn't mean ignore management it means mine the field of management in a way it hasn't yet been mined okay now why am I you know why am I doing why am I doing this and nobody else well I've had a series of strange experiences that have uh, uh, pushed me to do that. Okay? I mean, I was here and then I got, didn't get tenure. I went off and tried to you know, recreate my life okay? in an institutional environment that was uh, like LSE, uh, very pri- more like the medical model. But I'm different, so I, uh, I've got to do my own thing and justify it and make it work. Much like Herbert Simon was trying to do his contrarian thing in his environment, and further, I got to be head of the Department of Management at LSE for a while, and got to see how crazy that field is as a as an instatext. You
4: say you feel it's coming together
1: now. In my head, it is. Right, yes. And <laughs> and if you looked at the resp- and I you know and I I have a campaign here. It's a manifesto book, right? I spent you know two weeks coming up with my my people. I wanted to have. Read the book. I sent them uh, um, um, a message. I told them it's open access. If you don't read it, it's not because you you know you're, not, you're running out of money, and you should see my in my mailbox that says incoming responses. Okay, um, it's exciting. Um, time will tell, but it's there are I do have mechanisms to push it further. This is an example of it,
4: Michael. This is very refreshing. Um, I see what you've been up to. Since we worked together, yeah, it's a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, it was a long time ago. But um, I'm just curious this assumes an authority structure that flows downward. And I'm wondering about if you've looked at self governing organizations, um, representative organizations that have um, an explicit political life as well as an operational life, um, and how, how this approach might be useful in trying to understand function and dysfunction uh, in that setting in which there's a lot of dysfunction
1: well i i don't actually see the the prem i i deny the premise but i think it's still an interesting question okay um uh so how would you how would see something in here um first of all i would uh, make a little move in my mind and think of the um uh, mechanisms that are created through like this as including uh uh, dramatic performances, not just systems and not just plans. Okay. Does, um, uh, now, why is it that we haven't thought of mechanisms as much as dramatic performances as Goffman did? Okay, they certainly have all the intricacies. It's just, well, in management, we talked about plans. And in uh, Simon, he talked about systems. None of them were seem to be, and the background story there is that, according to March, sociology was kicked out Of the uh, Carnegie School uh, by 1960, and you were left with economics and psychology. Okay, and uh, um, and uh, Harvard thing was there, but very informal. Right. So, uh, part of the one of the things I'm trying to do is bring sociology, sociological ideas, sociological theorizing about processes and events, and even dramatic performances as aspects of events back into into the core of our understanding of. Uh, of enterprises, in particular as mechanisms that help to clarify and effectuate their purpose. So I think a little, uh, I think there's ways of, so I think probably what's going to be exciting for you is to see how sociological ideas can be brought into a purpose of theorizing about these enterprises. You know, get that far, and the rest is then picking up on uh, what I call design-focused case studies, getting insight into how actual uh, enterprises work, And we need to uh, get a lot of new ideas about how to do that because social science doesn't give us the answers. So I think expanding professional knowledge through design focused case studies would be my invitation to deal with that question. Thank you. There's a what? A boss. Well, you know, I'm saying, you know, what I would say is that I'm trying. That constitutes the reflect that kind of, uh, 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 kind of archetype situation where issues of authority are not resolved but get resolved in certain ways. The design precedents will probably be from cases where those are not hugely open issues. Okay. You could expand those, and okay. I would just say. I'm just giving you the measure of uh, or marker of this being a professional discipline of public management. I think this idea of a design-oriented professional discipline ought to be um, stolen in all sorts of other fields, whether they're in uh, other aspects of public administration, like uh, program planning and evaluation. Uh, or other aspects of public administration like uh, um, uh, public law and, uh, and administrative law or in uh, fields that are outside public administration. The idea of a design-oriented professional discipline um, um, for many professional disciplines and then would have been more available if Simon had finished his work. A
2: uh, qu- quick question about,
1: well, as you know, I think some of us here are designing a new leadership course and part of the, be- this, the way we're... Design, d- dividing it is about the stuff and the systems out there and then some personal reflection. And I noticed that you've talked about you know, the importance of d- being able to dramatize the situation and argumentation and even that book there about the presentation of self in everyday
2: life. I'm just curious how you, h- how you balance that in your course, that d- distinction between
1: your individual development as a public manager versus the ability to engage with the external systems effectively. Are they intertwined? Are they separated? I'm just curious about how you manage that. So I think it would be um, inter- intertwined. Uh, let me give you a, uh, a concrete example. I suppose from a case that it also comes out of the Air Force uh, book. Um, now, organization that big is a little complicated. Okay. Um, so the the case is about the futures games. The futures games were a formal mechanism to theorize the future of the Air Force and to provide um, a picture of what the Air Force could look like in detail if its strategy shifted from one way of uh, pursuing defense against another. And so the case will talk about the substance of that new idea, operational um, uh, concept, um, and then I asked the students uh, to be, to take on the role of the colonel who was in charge of this project for the briefing of the chief of staff okay. uh, and I asked them to roll you know figure out role play this if I have time. Uh, then I show them an actual video reconstruction of the uh, of that presentation what they uh, did with what he did and then we look at some of the uh, issues that his uh, why it's different and I would highlight. Um, um, I would say, handicaps that he faced in conveying these ideas to the chief of staff in a setting where there would be losers if the chief of staff... And um, we look at exactly moves he made in his argument at critical times in order to neutralize the tendency of others around the table to, uh, uh, to claim that what he was saying is unrealistic or not well thought through and so on and so forth. So that I use that to talk about effectuating ma- major change in an organization and also how to uh, put together or, or present an argument uh, in a dramatic way uh, to have the effect you're looking for. So I'd say it is all wrapped together in the way I teach. And I usually sometimes get him to be there to comment on what they do. And, and the best of all classes, I had him and uh, a professor of rhetoric both comment on what they had seen, but that was... Thank you. So the Harvard Case Method had had a very distinct and clear role in the
3: Harvard approach, right? So mm-hmm. Harvard slash Simon slash Barzelay slash and some approach.
1: Well, I think um, I think the basically the same roles, okay? Um, uh, but I'd add some. I wouldn't be away, okay? Uh, one is um, to use cases. Uh, as to analyze them after the fact, uh, not as challenges that uh, remain to be tackled, but as precedents for uh, mechanisms to, that deal with particular challenges. Okay? So this question, for example, um, how do you take a, a particular challenge? Um, you have a representation of the future Air Force that has immunity, but at that moment has no standing within the leadership of the air force okay. if the, if the organization is going to be different in the future along these lines that gap has to be bridged okay give people the challenge and that's a standard action forcing kind of case and after the fact you can s- spend a lot of time so to speak that in the order he said it what was it about the fact that he embedded clips of some of the generals in his presentation making in end time, comments on it. What was the role of having those people also at the table uh, in the meeting, so so that he didn't have to make the argument? He could get the peers. You know, so, but after the fact, you can ask what made it work, okay? And then you could introduce a, a vocabulary of vation within the design of a system. So, for example, in that, bringing in the Other uh, high-level former chiefs of staff, and so and so, so and so, in the meeting, you are activating a mechanism of uh, homophily to get so that because it's more likely that the chief of staff would be glad to be seen to be listening with particular care to his peers than to his uh, colonel. So, so I would say go further. Okay, and don't just look at ex ante with a story on the back end, but actually look at the experience and try to discover the design in it. Okay, and that's what I think a lot of research should do too. Does that help? Does that get at your question? I mean, that's something that's different. Okay, and the the rest is sort of tweaking the discussion questions. My knowledge is a bit old here, so maybe you do. Maybe we're all doing the same right. thing. Maybe I'll send a few that would be great, and we'll have a discipline.
4: I may be paraphrasing, I may be paraphrasing or oversimplifying what you said, but I think I heard you say that in a management school, students didn't want to take a course in management and didn't want to be called managers. So what did they want to be called, and what did they want to take courses in? Thank you.
1: Entrepreneurship and finance and maybe some change management. I mean, I taught a course at uh, Yale, and the student said, I, I didn't know how to read an organization chart. They had no idea how to think about organizational control as a process. Uh, they knew about change management. Um, uh, but it was an eye-opener to me.
3: Uh, so, um, so I have a question about the sort of larger by organizations. Um, and I guess sort of thinking about
1: the nation, uh, nature of design, we often think of a designer being outside of the thing or the system that they are trying to produce or design. But it seems like in your discipline, you're more interested in the ways that sort of actors internal to a particular organization can sort of help shape and help clarify once again the sort of ends that are being um, uh, intended or realized.
3: And I'm curious what you think of
1: as the discipline you're interested in, um, how it treats the sort of external Decision makers, or or internal "quote unquote" designers, who might be sort of setting organizational ends, goals, perhaps sort of, I don't know, outside of the Air Force, who might be sort of influencing what the end or goal of something like an Air Force might be, Um, and is that the sort of domain, or does that actually is that relevant to the discipline you're interested in? Um, I I hope hope that question makes sense, but yeah, yeah. Um, Uh, So I think it is um entirely um was more that external perspective and the second was more the internal perspective um, um and I in my when I you know had to leave here I became a political scientist I did the studies of the policy process and as a political scientist and so the idea of uh, influencing the policy process the identification of issues the the rank of issues um uh, intervening in ways that accelerate the presentation of alternatives, um, uh, finding the right moment to cut the conversation off and make a choice. All of that is part and parcel of who I am as a researcher. I've tended and just in my own mind to say, that's me as a political scientist. And this other stuff is me as a public management person. But if people say that it, you know, it all should be all part of one piece. I'm, I'm okay. I think it would dilute a little bit the identity of, I think it would cut against my uh, function of strengthening the identity of the discipline. In particular, uh, it would leave uh, somewhat marginalized the people from administration. And so when I work in Brazil, for example, I got to pull people from administration uh, and from political science. And if I highlight that too much, the administration people might go away. But I have no, uh, um, I think it's important to the prof- knowledge, uh, I think it's very important professional knowledge. Um I'm not sure I would make it critical to my presentation of the idea of the discipline. So I think it's presentational more than anything. Show up.
2: Was actually at least partly contained in the words in the title. Because it seemed to me that each of the words in the title was posing an intellectual challenge uh to um traditional uh academic called the Harvard, I mean or the uh, the medical medical school approach and Michael and leadership in uh, professional schools, is that there's a body of thought out there that says, um, all we need to succeed is confident knowledge about how things work. right? And if we have confident knowledge about how things work and a little bit of charm, uh, we can probably get things done. Right? And I think all of us who teach about management and take the challenge of management and leadership seriously know that that's false. That charm isn't the thing that causes things to happen in the world. Uh, that we're acting under situations of extraordinary uncertainty, that we're having to invent things as we go along. Uh, We're uh, doing that work in our own mind, but we're also typically doing it in small groups and hoping that those small groups have levers that reach out to large numbers of other people that will engage them. And so that's the reality of the world that we're engaged in, and we know that's the reality of the world because that's what we see in our cases and that's what we study and stuff like that. So the question is, is how could one acquire some degree of um, mastery or professional competence in facing up to the reality of that task, right? And so when Michael comes along and says, we've been thinking about this all wrong, Uh, what we really are is we're not a social science, we are a uh, design-oriented, number one. And I think twice, oh, I feel so liberated by that because now I can see that there's a role for imagination, for resourcefulness, for... Uh, invention for um, incorporating the concerns about values and what it is that we're doing, as well as simply uh, using knowledge, right so uh, to be liberated to be a designer rather than a technician, right, feels spectacularly good to me, all right so that so thinking about it as a design oriented activity feels really good. But then coming back is there is a profession out there, and what we mean by a profession is that there are people with real jobs facing concrete, particular situations that we don't have a lot to tell them about how to solve effectively, at least not in the concrete form that uh, we know this works, so do that. We don't, we don't know that. We, we know have an idea about some things you could try and an idea about the diagnosis that you could do that would tell you whether they would be likely to work in this particular situation. But um, but there are people... And we have precedents. We have precedents. Uh, Going to get you some time to unpack what you mean by precedence. Chapter right? six. All seven. right, I'll look at it in chapter six again. Uh, so you go after that, all right? Uh, so it's there's a profession, it's a real thing, it's important, people do it, uh, and we have to help people get better at it. And then the idea that there is, in fact, a discipline. And the discipline, as Michael said early in his talk today, it isn't a discipline in the sense of an academic discipline. He said we don't want to be called academic faculty, all right? but it is a discipline in the sense of taking a kind of uh, moral and intellectual responsibility for the work that you're doing and doing it as carefully as you can and coming to know what it looks and feels like when you're doing it carefully, right? And I think that's the thing that, uh, and then instilling in people the desire to do it carefully (laughs) rather than to uh, toss it off as, oh, well, somebody else will take care of that or a little bit of charm will, uh, overcome the situation. It is hard, intellectual, emotional, creative work that uh, always engages uh, managers. And so when I when Mike saw Michael waving this banner that said uh, professional or design-oriented professional discipline, I thought somebody was speaking, uh, pouring water on a parched piece of my soul. Uh, and I thought, yeah, that's what we've been about. And so I'm very grateful to my friend Michael for uh, doing this
3: think of no better closure to this session. Please join me in
0: thanking. You've been listening to AshCast, the Ash Center for Democratic Governance and Innovations podcast. If you'd like to learn more, please visit ash.harvard.edu or follow the Ash Center on social media at Harvard Ash.